Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, May 6, 2022, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this week we are beginning a study on the book of Genesis, and we will be looking specifically at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25 in the beginning. So we are taking the rest of this year to study a foundational and important book, the book of Genesis, and a pluralistic world and culture which is warring against the created order and goodness of God. This book will help point us to the order, redemption, and the sovereignty of God. As with the rest of the Pentateuch, this book has been ascribed to Moses, written by Moses for the children of Israel. It makes sense that that inspired by God, Moses would be called on to write out the history of God for the people. And Genesis would have reminded the people of who they were, who they were created to be, and would have reminded them after 400 years of Egyptian slavery that life was not about them, but it was about God. Genesis, as we will see through the study, is divided into two major sections. First, you have the history of the world before Abraham, which includes creation. But then second, you have the history of the patriarchs, which is chapters 12 through 50. And Genesis is about beginnings and generations, starting with the divine order of creation. It follows for many generations a family line that extends from Adam all the way to Jacob or Israel and his sons. And as we study Genesis, we will see the heading or refrain many times where it says, these are the generations of. And these genealogies show the progression of the human race, but they also provide an important link to the patriarchs, namely to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob or Israel and Judah. You know, many a times when we read God's word and we see these genealogies like here in Genesis or maybe in Numbers or even in Matthew chapter one, many times we can see these genealogies and 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 they just kind of baffle our mind. They're names we can't pronounce. We're, we're certainly not looking for future children's names. Uh, who would want to name their, their child Japheth or Enoch? Uh, so it's not looking for, for nondescript biblical names. But sometimes it's just a list of names. But beloved, one of the things that we see here, and especially in Genesis and in the Pentateuch and then in Matthew chapter one, is it gives us comfort to see these genealogies. Why? Because it lets us know that the Bible is true and infallible. The Bible isn't an allegory. It's not a fable or book of rules. It's abundantly true. And the Lord shows us this by the consistent list of families that the Lord created and that he sustained real people. God created and sustained real people. It shows the authenticity of the Bible, that there are people's names and their family trees in this book. But then it also is important because it traces all the way from Adam to Moses, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, to King David, and then ultimately to King Jesus. So the theme of Genesis is creation, sin, and recreation. It tells how God created the world as very good, 
but that it was destroyed in the flood as a result of man's disobedience. The new world order after the flood was also spoiled by human sin, chapter 11. The call of Abraham, through whom all the nations would be blessed, gives hope that God's purposes will eventually be realized through Abraham's descendants. But ultimately, Genesis is a book of deep theology, telling us how to think about God. We see that God is holy, just, merciful, covenant-keeping, faithful, omnipotent, sovereign, and amongst other things, creative. Genesis is also a book about our redemption and salvation. Man fails and falls into sin, but God is gracious, preserving man and providing a promise of salvation in the covenant of salvation. And beloved, it's with that background on the book of Genesis that we take the time to look at Genesis chapter 1 in the first 25 verses. The Word of God says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there were evening and morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for the days and the years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Beloved, if we really believe 
Genesis 1.1, then we will not find it difficult to believe anything else recorded in the Bible. You see, verse 1 is the most important theological statement in the Bible. If we miss Genesis 1.1, then we miss everything. If God was not before creation, in creation, and the author of creation, then he is also not the sovereign of our salvation. If God really created all things, then he controls all things and he can do all things. Genesis 1.1 is the hope by which we pray to the God of heaven. God created all things, therefore he can do all things. And we, we trust that God can create and recreate all the things that are broken because he is the author and the creator and the sustainer of life. Beloved, Genesis 1.1 is foundational to the entire book of the Bible. Furthermore, this one verse refutes all of man's false philosophies concerning the origin and the meaning of the world. Seven quick philosophies that Genesis 1.1 refutes. First, it refutes atheism because the universe was created by God, by God and for God. We cannot say that there is no God if we believe Genesis 1.1, that God, being very nature, God created the heavens and the earth. But then it also refutes pantheism, the belief that God is everything and everywhere is God, that God is in everything and, and he is, God is, is everything meaning our stuff has a piece of God. So many of the Far East religions believe in pantheism. But we see that God is not part of creation. He is the creator. He is above and independent of that which he created. But it also, number three, it refutes polytheism. For we see that one God created all things. There is one God who spoke, not a multiplicity of gods. But it also refutes materialism. We should not worship that which is created, nor should we be mastered by desire for material things. But we must be mastered by the creator who made all things. And then fifth, it refutes dualism. God was alone when he created. He didn't need anything else. He didn't need a big bang. He didn't need a, a cosmic spark. He spoke and it happened. But then sixth, it refutes humanism. God, not man, is the ultimate reality. God is at the center of creation. God is the one that created. And God didn't create creation for man, but he created creation for himself. And then last, it refutes evolutionism. Why? Because God created all things. He created all things for his purpose. He made them unique. He made them perfect. They didn't need to have survival of the fittest. Genesis 1-1 is the first occurrence as well of the divine name in the Hebrew of Elohim, the name of God which stresses his majesty and his omnipotence. This is the name that is used throughout this first chapter of Genesis. God or Elohim is used 35 times in the first chapter of Genesis, showing that the Bible is a God-centered, not man-centered book. The Bible is not a book about our salvation, but a book about God who created a people who fell short of his standard. So in his holiness, he redeemed and restored them. Our lives, therefore, are not to be lived for ourselves, but for God. 
if we read anything else but God into the Bible, then we have misread it. And this leads us to be secure because we don't compare ourselves to others, but we submit to God who is in complete control and the author of life. And beloved, this is the basis of ministry and the ministry that we do here at Lifeline. And as we do as God's people, we don't do ministry in order to be altruistic, to make us feel good about ourselves. And we certainly don't do ministry in order to have humanitarian aid because we would never seek to lead people to any human group or group of humans as the source of help. But we must be about gospel-driven ministry that points all of our help and all of our aid back to the God of creation. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-11, through 11, that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. In Genesis 1-1, throughout the first chapter, we see a God-centered creation. This is the remarkable word of created. It's bara, God created. A word used always and only to connote the work of God. Only God can create. That is, call into existence the things that do not exist. And the world was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, beloved Jesus, Genesis chapter 1 is not meant to answer all of our questions about creation or all of our questions about God. It is instead to establish the worldview of the people of God. Genesis answers more of the why questions than the how questions. And it shows us ultimately that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe and of us. It's not about us. God is the main character of the world and the world revolves around him and not us. We cannot lose perspective on the world and think it's about us. He is in charge and he is in control. We exist for God. God does not exist for us. And we see throughout this chapter that until God spoke, nothing existed. Verse 3, God said. Verse 6, God said. Verse 9, God said. Verse 11, God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 20, God said. Verse 24, God said. But we also see the refrain consistently after God said, it says that it was so. God spoke and it happens. And God alone sustains what he makes, and he calls it good. After each stage and day of creation, God sees what he made, and he says it was good. This means it is perfect in order, perfect in depth, perfect in sustainability, and that it gives appropriate glory to God. And we see that God's normal method is to work from the formless to the formed. In days one through three, the Lord creates the form of the world. And then in days four through six, he fills that form. And as we walk through the, the six days of creation that, that we read about here in these first 25 verses, I want us to see the form that is created in day one, day two, and day three. 
But then I want us to see that ultimately God fills that which he made. And as we see these days, let's see the gospel. That God forms us in our mother's womb. He formed us from uh, the unknown. And then he begins to fill us with his spirit and fill us with his presence. Day one, it's the creation of light and dark. In verse four, we see that it says that God separated the light from the darkness. He is creating form in his world. The first form is to make light and to make dark. But then day two, we see the sea and the sky. In verse seven, it says that God separates the expanses and created the seas and the skies. He separates the water above the the sky and below on the earth and to be the sea. Again, creating a form, a sky for something to inhabit, a sea for something to inhabit. And then on day three, we see that the fertile earth is created. God creates the firmament in verse 10, and he separated it from the sea. But then he also created sustainability for days four through six, when God on day three created vegetation of all kinds. You see, on day three of creation, every plant, and even the most successful botanist hasn't even seen some of these plants created. God created The most intelligent botanist at the biggest school in the world who studies every plant cannot even begin to imagine what was created on day three. Every manner of seaweed, every manner of algae, every manner of coral, every piece of ivy, every tree, every blade of grass with perfect order. God created the form for life. But then notice, once the form is made, The form is filled. Days four through six are the filling, and they perfectly correspond with the form of days one through three. Once again, we see the perfect order and the holy design of God. It was purposeful. On day one, the light and the dark were separated so that on day four, the lights of day and night could fill the sky and could fill the darkness and the light. Notice that light and darkness existed before the creation of the sun and the moon. This shows us that ultimate light radiates from God. So brothers and sisters, while I still think it's important that we take good care of the creation that God has given us, while I still think we must look for ways to, to, to tend well the creation of God, we have nothing to worry about. We don't need to worry about the sun dying as stars in other universes have. We don't need to worry about the light going out. We don't need to worry about a meteor hitting the earth and and getting us away from the light of the sun. Why? Because we are not dependent upon the sun for light. John the Revelator says in Revelation 21, 23, he says the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Why? For the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamb. We don't worship the sun or the moon because they are simply instruments of God's filling to shine the light which he had made. The form was God separating light from darkness, but the filling was giving the sun, the moon, and the stars the ability to radiate the light that God has made. And brothers and sisters, does that not give us hope? That when you see the sunrise, 
It's not just a random star that's coming up over the horizon, but it is a star that was made to shine the light of the Lamb and to shine the light of God. Oh, that will make a sunrise much more beautiful. But then on day two, God made the skies and the seas. But then in day five, he fills the form. On day five, he, he puts birds in the skies and he puts sea creatures in the sea. God had created everything that this life needed to be sustained. God didn't create the bird until it could find a place to nest and it could find a place of vegetation. So beloved, here's the thing. God is not just the creator, but he is also the sovereign sustainer. You have a God that is not just creating, but a God that is sustaining. Oh, beloved, what do we have to worry? What can this world do to us? Paul says, oh, what can can bring me down? Nothing. Shipwreck, starvation, hunger, thirst. Nothing could bring him down. Why? Because he knew that he was not sustained by the things of this world, but he was sustained by God. God is a loving God, a loving creator, a loving father who will sustain his children. And then on day six, we see that the land creatures were created to inhabit the land that was made on day three. This points that God was not just the creator. He was a designer. Beloved, our God is an intricate designer, and we must not be at war with or tamper with his design. If I use a toaster as a hand warmer, I will be burned. And when we tamper with God's design, we will find destruction. Creation is not accidental, but there is order and design. There's not chaos, but beautiful creation. We need to follow the order of God in our lives if we want to see our lives balanced. The world defies the designer. Freedom has become the refrain of the day. We hear follow your heart or you do you. This world has the mindset that the path to peace is expressing your true self. However, we have no authority and we are not the boss. Genesis shows us that God is the one who is in control. We are the creature and he is the creator and we must submit to him and to his design. There is no freedom in warring against God's order and design. But there is true freedom when we humbly bow down to the ultimate authority of God. Isaiah 45, 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty, but He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the sea. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as there were yet. Beloved, just like the form and the filling, God forms you. He makes you. He creates you unique to shine his glory in a unique way. And he fills you with his presence. Oh, the beautiful gospel of creation that we see in the very first book 
of the Bible, that in the beginning, God had the gospel in mind. In the beginning, God had our redemption in mind. And next week, we will look at the personal and intimate parts of creation, but we cannot miss all the ways the gospel is at work in Genesis 1, even before man is made. The Redeemer is abundantly present. The Redeemer, whose name and renown we take to the nations, he is present. Look again at verse 2. It says, The earth was without form, and that it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then it says, The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hovering is the word of a mother bird fluttering over her chicks, protecting and providing for their every need. Beloved, God is tender and compassionate. And even in the very beginning of creation, he was planning our redemption, hovering over, protecting and providing. Oh, we would fall. We would fail. Sin would corrupt us. But even in the very beginning, God was hovering, protecting, and providing. In verse 3, we then see that God begins to create by His Word. And God's Word is powerful and sustaining. And God's Word has the power to create out of nothing the very creation that we enjoy. However, we also learn in God's, John's Gospel that God's Word is a person. Right there. Genesis chapter 3, God's word spoke existence into being. And John tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of the men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Beloved, Jesus, right there in verse 13, the word of God. Before man is created in verse 26 and verse 27, God was already sowing his redeeming purpose through the tapestry of creation. And so, beloved, God brings order out of chaos and he brings light out of darkness. He repairs brokenness by making all things new. If he can create it, he can restore it, and he can recreate it. And Genesis points to redemption and to recreation. And beloved at Lifeline, we have been given that ministry of reconciliation and redemption. And so we go and we take this glorious gospel to the vulnerable, to vulnerable women, to vulnerable children, to vulnerable families, and to orphans who've been made in the image of God. But as we go, we take the message of the ultimate Redeemer the Redeemer who is hovering over the face of the waters, protecting and providing for his people. We take the gospel, the word of God, whom through whom all things were made, being the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. In creation, God took the formless and he made form. He took the form and he filled it with life. In the work of redemption, Jesus empties himself to the very point that he has no form. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him 
and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus emptied himself and he became like one with no form in order that we could be a new creation. Jesus empties himself in order to fill us and he devoids himself of form in order that we may take the very form, his form, and be acceptable before God. So let's praise our great God and thank him for this beautifully rich theological chapter, which is at the very beginning. Well, thank you for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Taiwan. We know that there is so much that has happened in Taiwan from COVID, as well as a continuing uh, just hostility between Taiwan and mainland China. And so we want to pray for our partners in Taiwan, for our Taiwan team, for the gospel to go forth in Taiwan, for the church in Taiwan, and for peace for Taiwan. Let's pray. Father, we do pray for the nation of Taiwan to be protected from COVID and that they would have the political freedom to make the decisions necessary to protect their people. Lord, we just pray that you would prevent outside forces from attacking Taiwan. And we pray that you would bring peace where there is hostility and when there is doubt. And Lord, even as we pray for Taiwan, we pray for our partner, Cathwell, for Yin Chi and Frankie and Yi Juan and Anne and Grace and Zoe and Jean. Lord, we pray that you would sustain the work they are doing with birth mothers and vulnerable children and that all of this team would remain healthy and safe and ultimately, that those of this team that don't know you would find you. We ask that you be with Carla and Jana and Ivy and Emily and Claire as they lead families through the process of adopting through Taiwan. And we pray that we would be able to find families for these children in Taiwan, these children who desperately need a mom and a dad. But Father, we ultimately pray that the gospel would go forth in Taiwan. We ask that the grip of Buddhism and ancestor worship would loosen and that you would allow your gospel to triumph in the hearts and the minds of the people of Taiwan. Oh Lord, open doors for partnership with Christians in Taiwan, that those Christians would adopt and foster and care for the vulnerable. And Lord, we just ask that as travel waivers continue to be given to adopted families, uh, that those would just continue and families would be able to, to, to travel even amidst current closures of borders due to the pandemic so that these children do not have to wait inordinate amounts of time. And Father, we pray for the judges and the courts in Taiwan to feel the urgency and to quickly process international adoption paperwork so that these children can join legally their forever families. And would you protect children while they wait? And would you place Christian caregivers and foster families in their life? Would you allow that Cathwell and Taiwan in general be more open-minded to expat adoption so that these families could, could be able to adopt from the nation of Taiwan. And we just ask for favor for several Lifeline families who will be presented at matching meetings in the coming weeks and months. And we think specifically of, of five families that are waiting to be presented. But Lord, we also praise you. We pray you for the heart of the workers at Cathwell that they truly desire to do what's best for the children in their care. We thank you that our program is growing and we're seeing more missional families that are open to, to bringing home a child in need of a family. And we thank you 
for all the files that we have received to be able to place with these Christian families. And for so many families opening up to severe special needs so that we can see those children who are in desperate need find faith. Oh God, we thank you. Thank you for making the world. We thank you that right there in the beginning, that you were thinking of our redemption. So Lord, we pray for the redemption of Taiwan, for the people of Taiwan, and for the gospel to go forth. It's in your great name that we pray, in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.